0: Gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet.
1: Ross McLeod for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet here, once again opening the forbidden door. And David Hockney, will you put it away? It, all just just put it away,
0: uh, <laughs> wrap it just, around your leg, get that away from me. <laughs> You're to go at me for recycling pater. I mean, what what you like, eh? <sighs> Opening the forbidden
1: door once again to find David Hawkney pantsless is not how I wanted to start our show. <laughs> it is our central. However, it's how we start it. And as David currently re-robes himself, (laughs) I'll just let you guys know that you can follow Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. That's at Suplex Retweet. And of course, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, if you look for it on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or all the Android podcasting sites, you'll find a massive back catalogue there. And as David now
0: has pants on, David, how are you? (laughs) Well, I've got my my shorts t-shirt on because it's, it's uh, slowly approaching summertime It's slowly approaching holiday time And yeah I just can't wait To you know finally Go abroad, get some sun Get on a boat and just drink the days away Fair enough
1: We're, we're not here to have fun We're here to analyse, we're here to criticise We're here to make Make fun hey, for people much more talented Than
0: we are I'm all about analysis and criticism so sign me up for it <laughs> So Got
1: A few previews and one review here. We've got AW New Japan's Forbidden Door eh, to review. And we have a preview of eh, Impact Wrestling's Against All Odds, which is happening this Friday, 1st of July. And Money in the Bank coming to you from Las Vegas on a Saturday, a premium live event on a Saturday. I can get used to that eh, for WWE. eh, Saturday, July 2nd. so... I'm going to just run through the results of Forbidden Door. So, you know, spoiler alert for people that haven't seen it yet. There's 13 matches on the card, four on the pre-show. Bishamon. Uh, I apologise, by the way, in Advance folks for the butchering I'm going to do of the Japanese names and tag team names. Scott and Grant are our <laughs> New Japan people. I am not. So, Bishamon defeated The Factory in a tag team match. Quite a good tag team match to open up the, the pre-show. Lance Archer defeating Nick Comorato. Uh, Swervener Glory defeating Suzuki Gunn. And Max Caster, Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, and the 1999 King of the Ring Hall of Famer, greatest tag team wrestler of our time, Billy Gunn. Clearly, we're going to defeat Yuya Yunus. You know, Muru and the new Park <laughs> early dojo in an eight-man tag match. Look, I don't need to pronounce things. Billy Gunn wins in
0: a pay-per-view in 2022. Uh, uh, although, greatest tag wrestler of our generation, I think Kofi Kingston might have something to say about that.
1: Kofi Kingston couldn't lace a prime Billy Gunn's book, sorry. Ooh. let's move on to the main show uh, Minoru Suzuki and the sex gods of Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho defeated Eddie Kingston Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta in a six man tag uh, FTR defeating the United Empire and Roppongi Vice in a winner take all match for the Ring of Honour World Tag Championships and the IWGB Tag Team Championships PAC defeating Clark Connors Miro and Malachi Black uh, to win the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Championship the Dudes with Attitude defeating the Bullet Club in a six-man tag match. Thunder Rosa defending her title against Tony Storm eh, for the AEW Women's Championship. Will Ospreay with Aussie Open defended his IWGP US title against Orange Cassidy. Eh, the debuting Claudio Cast. C- Castanoli Jesus Christ <laughs> Defeated Zack Sabre <laughs> Jr In his debut And joined the Blackpool Combat Club uh, Jay White Defended the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship Against Okada Adam Cole And Adam Page And in the main event For the Interim AEW World Championship John Moxley Defeated Tanahashi To win the Interim AEW World Championship So Breathe <laughs> <laughs> Did I go get a drink and replenish myself here after that list of names? David, why don't you start us off? What was your, what was your
0: match of the night? What was the match you, you thought was the best of the card? Oh, you know what? I'm sort of torn, again, I'm sort of torn between two because the the one sequence uh, from Will Ospreay, Orange Cassidy was, I think it was two moonsaults a shooting star press, and a corkscrew splash on the space of about five seconds. Like, that alone just, just very nearly tipped it over the edge. But I cannot get over the fact of how big the pop was when Big Tony, Big Swiss, Big Claudio fulfilled my fantasy booking and was the surprise entrance to face... Zack Saber Junior. Like that match, storytelling wise, was just pitch perfect. You know, a guy who's been vastly underappreciated for the best part of a decade. He comes over to the rival company and he's treated like a megastar. From all his greatest hits, including his, you know, his chain combos with the uppercuts. Everybody popped when he finally did the swing, and now he's finally got some really good direction with the form of Blackpool Combat Club. You know, filling in for Danielson. And we know how high William Regal is on Claudio as well. Like, they've had a couple of matches here and there on NXT, a few clashes here and there. So it just all... It all just fit into place so nicely. And I'm glad that Claudio is finally getting his his due. See, I... Just coming
1: in here with a big negativity truck. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I, I was delighted to see him... I was, you know, glad that he got the pop, glad that he got the win, but let's just hold the break on. He's getting his due and he's getting his big break and he's getting the push he deserves. You know, Ruby Soho, we said that about her. Keith Lee, we said that about him. He's on the pre-show and a thrown-together tag team with Swerve Strickland. You know, let's, let's... Brian Cage, we said that about him. Lance Archer, we said that about him. Another man on the pre-show. Let's just hod the bus before... You know, t- we talk about Vince McMahon and the shiny new toy. Tony Khan, in recent months has been an absolute pain in the ass for he. He is worse than Impact 2010 for hoovering up XWE talent, and I will go on record in saying that. So I am glad he was there. When we talk about blood and guts later on, I'll talk about uh, Cesaro again. You know, glad he was there. Glad he got the big, you know, shiny moment. But it's two shows, you know, let's just pump the brakes before the shiny new toy. And I'm, I'm going to put this out here, okay? Because I said in the in our group chat, I think Cesaro and Triple H's WWE could have been a world champion. I don't think yeah, Cesaro I- will ever be a world champion under the Tony Khan umbrella. <sighs>
0: Well, I mean, you've got a couple of mid-card championships to look forward to now because you've got the new All Atlantic Championship held by Pac, and let's not forget the TMT title as well. But I imagine there's going to be a bit of a bit of a divide between these two. Wherever whichever which way it goes, I mean, I I think the All Atlantic Championship suits Claudio a little bit better, given obviously he's a, a European, and you know there was two sides of the Atlantic story here, so it's. Yeah, but you know, you mentioned blood and guts as well. we well, I think we'll we'll bring that up at some point. Uh, and there's definitely a really really cool spot that I wanted to bring up with that. Yeah,
1: because I actually think that's his first feud, and we'll we'll get into that in a wee bit. Um, but the match itself, I, I couldn't fault at all. Zack Saber Junior. showing why New Japan fought so hard to keep him. Why WWE made such a play to get him uh, after the Cruiserweight Classic he's he's just this smarmy lanky annoying little prick and the most annoying thing about him is that he's so been good at the wrestling he's so good at the grab and yet oh he so i think that not only was it the perfect perfect time because you know the the hardcore crowd that follow new japan and follow AEW, they're the fans in the internet that wanted Cesaro to succeed, so it was a perfect introduction for Cesaro and uppercutting the face right off of Zack Saber Jr. Perfect way to make your make your debut in AEW.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure.
1: Um, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you because you're you're more of an AEW fan than I am. You you follow more week to week than I do. Um, what was another? Give me another match. What was another match that you you were really impressed by, other than Cesaro and Saber Virginia?
0: Well, I kind of sort of mentioned it briefly. It was uh, Will Osprey versus Orange Cassidy. So um, again, you know the aforementioned mega spot where there was so many flip flippy shit in the space of just a few seconds. It was. I mean, I've, it's not that often I see Will Osprey compete, but holy shit, the guy can go like and. But um, Orange Cassidy, you know, the guy is, is just TV gold. You know, he might not be the most, you know, might not be the most technic like most technically sound person in the world. You know, not like not like someone you'd expect, you know, to be a a proper mat technician, etc. But his character alone is just makes him so popular with the crowd. And I think there was a couple of points where he delivered a super kick or no, he ate a super kick uh, that it sounded like it just took his head off, but despite that, you know, he just kept going. And then I think there was a spot as well where he actually broke the turnbuckle camera with Osprey's face, which was actually quite funny. But um, uh, you you just can't go wrong with, uh, with Orange Cassidy and the way he carries himself around the ring, you know, it's a little bit unorthodox a little bit lax but his character just wins the crowd over every single time and he's just a pleasure to watch and against like a, a seasoned veteran like Will Osprey, you know it's and they just have really really good chemistry together and I and I remember what we said last time it was that you know there wasn't a lot of not a huge build for this match but in the end it didn't really matter because you know you just stick these two guys together and they'll deliver.
1: Yeah, no, I don't doubt it was, it was an amazing match. It was. Orange Cassidy is, well, back to the, uh, the Claudio thing I said about the World Championship, speaking to David Campbell about that, and he mentioned a point that kind of fits Orange Cassidy, and it was that Tony Khan, for his faults, one thing he does have, one th- one pro you could say would be that He's booked his champions, you know, X amount in advance. He knows exactly who the champions are going to be. But that mentality also stops someone who's naturally getting over, getting a shot at the world title and getting a shot with the belt. And I think, you know, what was it? It was the February, wasn't it? Or was it the November where uh, he lost the title? In November, when Kenny Omega lost the title, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think Hangman's yeah. held it for about what eight months.
1: Yeah, so he he lost it. He uh, he lost it in November. I think in the in the May at the Double or Nothing. I think he could have. Would you call it? I think if he'd went with the crowd and brought the crowd back, you know, that was the first big event they had the crowds back for. Imagine the pop, even if it was just for two weeks, and Kenny Omega wins it back a couple of weeks later. Imagine the pop when Orange Cassidy won the title. And he is mm. he such a natural over-with-the-crowd over character. It, the character sometimes, I think, gets a bit overhyped, but when you see the, the just the visceral reaction of the crowd, you can't fault that, really. And it's, it's one of those ones. I think he could have been someone... Back in May, that could have had a title run, but unfortunately injuries that have got in the way at the minute, so he's further away from the title scene than ever. But crowd still love him, crowd still get behind him. It's just a bit of a shame, obviously he never got that that bit of a run with a title.
0: And I'm surprised he's not won the TNT title yet because, I mean, but then again, I suppose he doesn't need one because he's, his his character is that that much over with the crowd.
1: I, I always hate that argument that. Oh, I don't. That that character doesn't need a title. It's it's wrestling that the you know Stone Cold famously coined the phrase: "If you're not here to win the WWE title, get the hell out of here." Because you know it, it's <laughs> you know what are you doing in wrestling if you don't want to be the world champion? Hmm. But uh, we'll we'll go into the the main event. We'll talk about the the implications for this Tanahashi. Um, against John Moxley it's a match Moxley's been begging for in New Japan uh, since he showed up there after his WWE release, he's been begging for it since the Forbidden Door concept came around he finally got his match and he's technically the first ever two time AEW World Champion Mm -hmm. even though it's the Interim Championship Um, what were your thoughts on the match and what's your thoughts of Moxley being World Champion again going forward
0: I think the um this is tricky because I've never actually really watched Tanahashi compete. So it's a little difficult for me to assess in detail. But Boxley though getting the, the rub to go for another title another title run. That's gonna be quite interesting because at the minute he's he's also a bit of a standalone competitor, but at the same time he's also part of What's now arguably the top faction in AEW and Blackpool Combat Club. So it's, I think, as a whole, Blackpool Combat Club has been sort of had that straight up push, with uh, obviously initialising with Moxley and Danielson and Regal, you know, sort of being the front man. So having him, I think, there's sort of sort of a face inner circle almost and i hope they get really good booking going forward i mean there was a very good like going back to the the tanahashi match um there's lots of nice little details they had with this one especially for being the main event because they had the japanese announcer alongside justin roberts and the i think the the table spot could have been a bit better but Then again, it's always sometimes it's hit or miss with these spots. Again, Moxley getting busted open as well. I think that was uh, that's how you knew it was going to really sort of crank it up a notch. So he's sort of becoming almost like the new hardcore legend, a little bit. You know, not, not nothing against Terry Funk or Mick Foley and stuff, but yeah, the I think these guys. Did a pretty decent job you know not wasn't perfect but overall still a very very good match all round
1: i think to a uh, the, the bust in open spot although you know it might have been an accident it did lend to that amazing visual at the end mm-hmm. where you know moxley's just leaning back against the ropes just with a big biggest smile on his face championship over his shoulder and a bright red face, just covered in blood, it just added to the visual. I thought it was. It, it so let's talk about. Um, well, first off, Moxley's first opponent. Uh, they've announced a Rampage Rumble that we're currently recording on Thursday, <laughs> 3rd
0: of
1: July uh, th- th- June. Sorry, tomorrow's the first of July. The Royal Rampage will be happening then. Who do you think is going to come out as the first opponent for Moxley? Who would you like to see as the first opponent for Moxley? And Ooh. when do you think we'll see CM Punk make his return?
0: That's a tricky one because I imagine it's going to be thirty people if it's they're going to do like a, a if it's a Royal Rumble style match. they've
1: announced I've just checked Twitter there. Twenty man uh, Rampage Rumble.
0: Okay, 20-man, so just a 20-man battle royal, essentially.
1: Um, I don't... It's, it's been advertised as a Rampage Rumble. I can't really find anything else on Tony Khan or he Twitter.
0: Okay, so it doesn't really explain the rules. Okay. Um, oh, I don't know, actually, because... Well, I heard Adam Cole was, is potentially injured, so, I mean, he would have been my first choice, but doesn't look like it's going to be him. Um... It could be somebody from Jericho Appreciation Society, but then again, we've kind of already seen Moxley Jericho a couple of times. Um, I don't know, actually. I'm really trying to rack my brains trying to find a, a good opponent. I'm looking at the the guys in the All-Atlantic uh, match. Maybe someone like Nero or Malachi Black, possibly, but I can't say for certain. I think I'd go between one of those two.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Miro would be a good show. I think he's he's sort of finding his way back into the company after losing the TNT title and then just disappearing from TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think him and Moxley could put on a great, violent, um, bloody if you want to see it, <laughs> um, sort of drag down bout. But um,
0: though well, the House, yeah, of d- Black- House of Black has had a lot of momentum lately. So maybe Miro could face Pac for the All Atlantic Championship in a one on one scenario. House of Black definitely has built a lot of steam lately. out. Malachi Black, I think, might be a very interesting show, and I don't think these two have ever actually crossed paths, even during their time in WWE.
1: No, I think uh, I think Moxley was on his way out when Black and Ricochet were on raw as a tag team, just you know, popping up <laughs> randomly. And then just never faced each other is what yeah, I meant. The- yeah, no, I know, I know. That's uh, what I'm saying. They were right. never really about the same place at the same time. So yeah, we've got. Um, so you're going Malachi Black. I'll go. I'll go Miro. That'll be my prediction. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So Punk, what is your? What, what would you like to see? The Would you like to see the classic ladder match with the two titles hanging above the ring? Would you like to? Would you like to see Punk come back and just instantly become world champion again or do you think I I spoke about um, Tony Khan having his title picture mapped out a lot in advance do you think if Moxley gets over enough with the title that he might maybe change his mind and say to Punk we're going to have Moxley be the champion
0: Mm. See I think if if they're doing it for the purposes of consistency, because the only other time we've had interim champions, I think, was uh, the the TNT reign. I think it was between Cody and Sammy, and then they ended up yeah. having a ladder match decider. I think if they're going to keep consistency up, I reckon they should finish with a ladder match, or at the least, very least, make it like a let's do it like a TLC, you know, a hardcore TLC match. Because I think the spots that they'll do out there will just be insane and because uh, I mean you've seen the Bucks versus Lucha Brothers in a TLC match I mean if they could pull off something like that I mean imagine what Moxley could do you know with so many tools at his disposal but um, in with regards to the booking though uh, I think you need to be put in a pro. you need to have a bit of a a few weeks program with promos etc having Punk go up against Moxley face to face and then sort of build on it from there you know who's the crowd more interested in who would they like to see represent as the full-time champion but also do you want to stick with uh tony khan's original plan and keep cm punk going but then i suppose if they're having a decider ladder match there's plenty of room for a new feud to develop you know somebody could attack moxley prevent him from winning and then that creates something else down the line and then they can just pick up where they left off. so the possibilities are definitely there. I think you can't really be certain of it until much nearer the time.
1: Yeah, that, that's fair enough. That, that's a fair enough answer. Um, so you've talked about two matches you liked. We've talked about the main event. Was there anything on the show we'll talk about we'll stick to the main show because the pre-show is sort of just, it's just sort of there. Anything on the main show you were
0: exactly a fan of? Um... Probably the first match I'd say Because you know as we discussed previously I know you You were saying like this is the six Person tag match with Lesets Gods, Eddie Kingston, Shota And Wheeler I mean it was okay to open The show I guess and there were uh, Stipulations Like Consequences rather for Blood and Guts But you know, we did our own bit of fantasy booking. You know, if Minoru Suzuki and Sex Gods lost, you know they should have had Suzuki attack them. But uh I don't know, just something that wasn't quite right about that one. Yeah, the the Suzuki
1: aspect of it. Suzuki's meant to be this lone fighter, this this killer sort of thing. I don't think he fit in with the the sex gods thing. You could easily have had someone like a Jake Hager, an Angelo Parker, and Matt Menards, you know, one of them being, you know, you would put um, Lance Archer on the pre-show, it was nowhere near the Blood and Guts match either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's meant to be part with uh, Desperado, part of the Jericho Appreciation Society. But yeah, I agree, that wasn't quite Matt right. But the Blood and gut ma- Guts match itself, which the Jericho Appreciation Society, earned uh, an advantage for during this match, did air that, uh, as of recording this past Wednesday, uh, the Appreciation Society of Jericho, Parker, Maynard, Hager, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara took on the team of the AEW Interim World Champion, John Moxley, Claudio, Wheeler Utah, Eddie Kingston and Santana and Ortiz. Um, what were your thoughts on the match? Oh, I mean, it was...
0: Um... Everything as you'd expect, you know, blood and guts is just mental in uh, in general. Uh, Claudio and Sammy starting, I think, was quite good because I think there was a spot in particular where Sammy, he jumped from rope to rope to rope from one ring to the other. And then he sort of landed as if he just did a gymnastics performance. So, yeah, I thought that was a little bit funny uh, in particular. But the moment I was I mentioned earlier on, and this is the one that really... <laughs> really got me invested in here when jake hager entered and then came to face to face with claudio like i don't know if folk that haven't watched wwe for a few years remember that those two used to be a tag team as part of the real americans with zeb coulter and then the, the crowd starts chatting we the people like people i mean that this was about eight years ago remember and people still remember these two as a tag team. Like, these are... Wrestling fans are smart, despite what Vince McMahon wants you to believe. You know? It's... People know their shit. And it was... That moment in particular is really... It was a really nice throwback to something that could have been booked great, but, you know, the people still appreciate the face-off. But I think the, the spot of the entire match was Eddie Kingston throwing Sammy literally off the top of the cage. He falls in what a, looks like slow motion and goes flat through the through the table on the outside. And at the same time, a water bottle just flies in the air and lands right on top of him. Like, that was just like, that was golden that moment. And it just goes to show how mental a bastard Eddie Kingston is.
1: I'm also glad that the table they went through wasn't uh, like last time where it was quite clearly a big mattress
0: <laughs> you, you got to imagine though there must have been like a, a giant cushion under it or something that was just better well hidden
1: uh, Ruby Soho got involved in the match uh, serving as uh, yeah. going after Tay Conte she was trying to get weapons and all that through the, the Jericho Appreciation Society Um that was a nice sweet touch. I liked um, what about Moxley, not just thumbtacks, broken glass, pile driving. Like, what the? Pile, get I mean, the pile pan- driving Parker onto it, and then you had the likes of. Well, we talked about callbacks. What about the uh, the Ambrose asylum, where sixty nine thumbtacks get put in Chris Jericho's back? He got some revenge nice. by putting by putting uh, Moxley in the walls of Jericho, in the thumbtacks <laughs> just reaching yeah, back I, I, ever ever more, squeezing them into his face. I thought that was quite good. Um, uh, we talked about um, we talked about Claudio uh, looking like a star the first night. He got the fall here, so Kingston was looking to humiliate Jericho. Kingston wanted to make Jericho say I quit. You know, he, he wanted to be the guy to to get the fall. Claudio then forced forces the tap out from Maynard. Kingston turned around. Kingston's raging at this point. He wanted to be the guy to get the fall. Eddie Kingston's someone who He's not ever just a face or just a heel. He can sort of organically switch between the two. I think this might be the first feud for... You right there? You opening a bag of crisps?
0: (laughs) No, sorry. I've just adjusted my headphones. (laughs) Um,
1: Claudio versus Eddie Kingston, I think, could be a good feud for, uh, for his first proper feud in AEW.
0: Yeah, don't they didn't these two like have a, a Twitter spat a while ago? Yeah, I think um
1: I think Eddie Kingston said so I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was talking about how he would never go to WWE and I don't know if Cesaro said like they don't want you or you know, but God knows. Like Eddie Kingston has had many a spat with many a wrestler. One thing no one will say about Eddie Kingston is that he keeps his opinions to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Eddie Kingston apparently back in 2015 that uh, had a shoot on him and apparently after the Forbidden Door went off the air uh, they had a bit of an altercation at Forbidden Door.
0: Is that right? The yeah, they were been, on
1: the same team. Yeah, they were on the same team. Yeah, I think that was... Um, so there was a tweet that Eddie Kingston... Uh, tweeted out a few years ago uh, saying all I'm saying Cesaro doesn't have the balls to come to AEW and then he tweeted out well look who's grown up here when Cesaro made his debut.
0: <laughs> oh, fair play to him that's uh, and you know what now that you've mentioned it I would like to see this feud going forward because even though they're they both win it but in blood and guts. They've now got a reason to go against each other. You know, it's it plants the seeds for something. You know, Eddie Kingston wants to be the one to get the win. Claudio takes it from him, and now it'll probably just be a, a contest of bragging rights. I reckon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And here's hoping the shiny new toy that is Claudio gets his gets his just reward. Uh, let's not forget Eddie Kingston was Future once all the Atlantic
0: champion. champion. Yeah, that's great. It was Future also. All, you know, all-
1: he was also a United States and a tag team champion in WWE. If he wanted to hit a ceiling, he could have stayed in WWE. He's not going to be a world champion in AEW. Mm. I, I, I love this back and forth. We have, David.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just I fantasy book and you just shoot me down. That's how I think it's how it's been working for a while. No, 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 at
1: all, not at all. So Moving on to another pay per view, uh, we've got upcoming, which is Impact Wrestling's Against All Odds. Uh, part of the Impact uh, Ultimate Insider package, you get to watch these events, uh, these monthly events, and all four impacts for four ninety nine through YouTube. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Against All Odds, you get some great pay per view matches, some great matches that they maybe don't want to give away for free on impact, and sometimes you see people getting world title shots and tag title shots that maybe wouldn't get them on the big pay-per-views, so they use these to sort of test the water with people, and against all odds, at the time of recording, there is one more impact before against all odds, but TNA record quite far in advance, so I'm going to have the spoiler free version of events as I read out the cards here for you guys. So Sammy Callahan's going to take on Moose, in a Ravens Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, Impact Wrestling announced Raven will be at against all odds to proceed over the proceedings. Uh, we've the got a Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. is just imagine every hardcore stipulation and then sprinkle in some original ECW magic, and it's just. It's just wonderful, David. I, I'd recommend googling some of the old ones. Most most of them have a best. That should tell you how mental they are. Uh, Jordan Grace mm-hmm. is going to take on Tasha Steeles in a rematch for the Impact World Knockouts World Championship. Uh, Mia Young, Mia Yim, sorry, and Mickey James are going to take on Chelsea Green and Diana Perazzo in a tag match. Uh, Josh Alexander going to defend the Impact World Championship against the undefeated Joe Doring from Violent by Design. Uh, on or No More, Eddie Kingston, Kenny King, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett and Vincent are going to take on James Storm, the Good Brothers and two to be announced competitors. So, Dave, I don't know if you've seen this, but the original match was meant to be James Storm, the Good Brothers and the Briscoes. But On or No More took out the Briscoes, uh, wrapping chairs around their legs and just every wrestler <laughs> from On or No More hitting the chairs that are wrapped around their leg with other chairs and big splashes off the top ropes. So it's two two to-be-announced competitors. Uh, They're hinting that it's maybe from impacts past. Do you have any idea who you think it might Mm -hmm. be or anyone who you think you'd like to
0: see? I'll tell you who I'd like to see. Again, this is just me putting my fantasy booking hat on and I don't know if it's contractually legally going to happen. But I would like to see either America's Most Wanted or Beer Money. See,
1: the, the only thing here they've been teasing with James Storm and uh, uh, Chris Harris. Chris Harris has retired through multiple in-ring injuries. Bobby Roode, I don't think WWE would let him go just for the fact that even though he's not on TV as much, he isn't a tag team Ziggler and I don't think they want attention taken away from that, you know what I mean? Um, mm. I think maybe the more City machine guns or
0: yeah my um, next choice.
1: Or they so the, the main event of tonight's impact is gonna be Frankie Kazarian versus Chris Saban. This was a match that a few weeks ago before slammersary was uh, interfered in by Honour No More. They never got to see who the winner was. I don't think we're going to get to see a winner again. I think Honour No More attacks again, and Saban and Kazarian once again team up to take on Honour No More. They were part of Team uh, TNA uh, that took on Honour No More at Slammiversary. So I think they're going to be in this match once again. Honour No More, by the way, uh, Eddie Kingston, Kenny King, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, Vincent, uh, PCO is also there. They have been consistently enjoyable since they came onto the scene. Uh, they've had great matches with the likes of Bullet Club, going up against Jay White, the Good Brothers, El Fantasma, and Chris Bay. They've had great matches with uh, Violent by Design. They've had great matches with so many people. It's it's they are they're being booked consistently as like the top heels in the company. And even after that, even after that loss against um, against the Impact Originals, it's not like they've not faltered one bit. They've not managed. They've not um, they've they've not slowed down their momentum. They've just came out with a typical heel attitude of, "We didn't lose. Impact cheated." And in fairness, you could argue Impact did have a few dirty tactics, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's been th- thoroughly enjoyable. And it's been, it's you know, I'm really glad to see uh, Addiction Free and back in the ring doing what he does best. Mike Bennett along with Maria, because him and Matt Taven uh, are actually a tag team, former IWGP tag champions, former Ring of Honor tag champions. And I really want to see them get a run with the tag title sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think Slammiversary, uh, 20th anniversary of Impact, I think, was sort of just more the feel good moment, you know, for the Impact originals. And that's understandable. But <laughs> at least Honor No More had a ton of momentum, you know, as again, as you mentioned, you know, picking up victories over all these teams. I can see another victory for them here because for comparison, I actually think they're, I think about 95% of the time, the 5% being the 20th anniversary, they're being booked 95%, almost like the Nexus should have been booked. They're a group of renegades from a, a slightly lesser tiered wrestling brand, but they have been running rampant over the sort of main roster's best that they have to offer and they don't look weak doing it either or cowardly you know they're actually going in with that pack of dogs mentality kind of like what the shield did again kind of like what the nexus did and they're making it work really really well but the important thing is here you can't get complacent with their booking you know sure one loss against the tna originals on what was meant to be a feel-good show is fair enough but they need to get that momentum back and yeah, especially you know with the turncoat Eddie Edwards in there leading the charge, they they need all the momentum they can get following their latest loss.
1: I'm looking forward to it as well Sammy Callahan versus Moose in this Clockwork Orange House of Fun match because it seems to be Sammy's bringing back all these old uh, TNA match concepts, and I'm just thinking to myself. If they've done they've done the Monsters Ball, they're doing the Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. I'm wondering if they're gonna bring back the old TNA asylum, the old the big red cage with the roof on top of it, just to blow off the feud, because I, I've really enjoyed Moose Sammy Callaghan. I've really enjoyed Moose the past two years in impact. He's just shown himself to be an utter disgraceful human being. Who you can't help root against, and it makes every one of his matches that more, much more interesting because you're rooting for the other guy to win. Um, but I'm just thinking, Sammy Callahan bringing back old matches. We've got a faction in Honor No More. I'd love to see a team Sammy Callahan go up against a team Honor No More in a Lethal Lockdown match. That's that's. That's my dream going forward.
0: We've had bloody yes, Bring back lethal again. lockdown. That would be amazing.
1: Lethal <laughs> lockdown. That's just my yeah. my sense for uh, against all odds. Um,
0: Jordan Grace v Tasha <laughs> Steel. Sorry, say it again. No, I was just reading the rules of the Clockwork House of Fun match, and listen how mad this is when you read it out loud. It's a singles match for which poles attached to the ring post measured about five to six feet above the turnbuckles with single chains wrapped from and hanging on the poles to various points on the ring itself with many weapons hanging from and attached to steel chains above the ring, sometimes with sides of a steel cage uh, attached to the ring in the first match, the use of weapons is legal and the only way to win is to put an opponent through two tables after throwing them off Raven's perch but afterwards it's changed to false count anywhere like, <laughs> honestly reading that just gives me a headache, like so much to try and keep keep up with, you know, when watching this
1: See, uh, another match that had quite a bit to uh, keep up with was the Queen of the Mountain match um, where Jordan Grace defeated Tasha Steeles um, she's going to take on Tasha Steel in her rematch. Uh, Jordan Grace, I think it's been, it's been a while. She's been she's been in the the digital media uh, title picture. She was the first digital media champion. She's had a, a wee back and forth with W Morrissey as a mixed tag team, uh, but she's back properly in the women's division and. For me, Tasha Steals, I, I just couldn't get behind her as a, as a world champion. To me, she just didn't feel ready for it yet. Mm. I, I just, I, I mean, when I you're thought, brushing
0: uh, shoulders, like, uh, when you're brushing shoulders with the likes of Mickey James and like Mia Yim, but let's, you can't overlook the fact that Diana Perazzo went on the run of a lifetime as Impact Knockouts Champion, and she is essentially. Raised the bar, so Tasha Steele's had massive, massive boots to fill, you know, coming off a run like that, and there I don't think there was any way around, you know, her trying to eclipse what Deanna accomplished in the last couple of years. But Jordan Grace, I think there's definitely potential there. You know, she's been sort of on the uh, sort of on the up and up again. You know, she's focused a lot more on bodybuilding. You know, she's not like a like a slim competitor, shall we say. You know, she's a bit more on the, the muscular side, kind of like what we see with uh, like a Charlotte Flair or a Beth Phoenix um somewhere along those lines. But oh, yeah, I, mean. I think I think she's got the potential to have a a quite a strong run, maybe not as strong as Dionna's, but then again, it, it was a like I said, it was a very high bar to to raise. Yeah.
1: Um Mia Gavin, Mickey James taking on Chelsea Green, Diana Brazo. Um, I just I don't like. I, I don't know what it is about Mickey. I just don't like Mickey James. I just don't like her. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it, she just seems to be everywhere, but not involved in matches and impact at the minute. Like the. Um, I can't remember if it was Deanna or if it was uh, Chelsea Green. But one of them. So the rules of the Queen of the Mountain are. You need to get a pinfall in the match before you're eligible to climb and try to put the title on top of the top of the mountain. Um, and I can't really remember if it was Chelsea Green or John Prado, but one of them did that. It's a it's a match where there's no disqualifications. They hit somebody with the belt, got the pin, went to climb the ladder, and Mickey James, who was meant to be the special guest enforcer, just pulled them off the ladder. What are you doing? <laughs> just, a, I mean, just a constant pain in the arse, I personally think. I know I sound like... Uh, <laughs> I know I sound like uh, Matthew the former in English, who's constantly just having a go at Mickey James, but I just don't like her. I don't know what it is. And by the way, Mia Yim, I'm sorry, she's the most bland competitor in the world. I just think... <sighs> People thought, oh, she never got a, a run in WWE. No, but she had a long time in NXT. And NXT, which is known for producing characters and producing great matches, she never did any of that. She just was kind of there. You know what I mean? And She came into the Impact Knockouts division where people like Diana Perrazzo, people like Chelsea Green, people like Jordan Grace. You know, great characters, people like the influence, people... You know, the inspiration recently just left Impact and she's just shown herself that she has no, no personality, no character. No, she just, hi, I'm Mia Yim,
0: I'm a badass. How? How are you a badass? You know know what it is, though? I think maybe she's got a bad case of the Mondays and she's having that hangover period from Reckoning. Oh, don't talk reckoning
1: was the most interesting I mean, she was and that's how bad it is
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they could have had me a in Nxt war games they decided not to but I'll tell you something though she can take bumps if you'd seen more of what she did in Nxt because th- I'm I pretty did, sure she I was in, in the NXT every week if you give what I watched Nxt every week if you <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep <laughs> <laughs> okay okay fair enough like you see her performance in the what was it the war games ladder match and she took one hell of a bump off the top of the ladder because of Kaylee Ray's interference like oh. I remember I remember I, was, uh, I can't remember if it was us or uh, like just Twitter in general just saying to her my god like Mia Yim is like a is a maniac doing spots like that and you know, she oh. had she did stand out as a character, you know, she had the head baddie in charge or head bitch in charge now, and now she and her look alone just stood out, you know, with the blue scarf die the blue hair. Yeah, I mean what other person on the roster has blue hair? No one, and yet she
1: still blended into the crowd because no one gave a shit. <laughs> If Natalia shows up with blue hair tomorrow, if Tamina shows up with blue hair tomorrow, it still doesn't change the fact that they are a boring bastard. And Mia Yim is exactly the same. And Sasha Banks. You could argue that... Sasha Banks has got blue hair.
0: (laughs) Good point. but but Then again, think of Shotzi for a second. Shotzi's got bright green hair and she came out in a bloody tank. And yet they took that away from her. They took Nixon Newell away from her, and now look at her, you know, she's been relegated to bloody undercard matches with barely even a, a whiff of getting close to the SmackDown women's title. Money in the Bank is probably a step up for her, but my God, she was in a rough patch.
1: Yeah, she was in a rough patch, but it doesn't change the fact that Mia Yim is still boring. Mia Yim is, and it doesn't help, maybe much like uh, I was about to say Savannah Evans, uh, much like Tasha Steeles, it doesn't help going up against people like Deanna parazzo and Jordan Grace and Chelsea Green. But by God, Mia Yim is dull. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about someone that isn't dull, and that's the Impact World Champion, uh, the the biggest homegrown star I think Impact produced in a while, Josh Alexander, uh, going up against Joe Doring. This is a mm-hmm. second match against. Uh, Violent by Design and his many pay-per-views. Defeated Eric Young at Aversary. Eric has not been seen since, but Violent by Design did take out the frustrations on Alexander after the match. Joe Doding does have a pinfall victory over um, Josh Alexander uh, in excuse me, over Josh Alexander in a tag match in the lead up to Slammiversary. Can't personally see the title changing hands on this one. I think it's going to be something big that takes the title off of Josh Alexander.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're pushing Josh Alexander to the moon right now, and it makes it look like he's got like a hell of a challenge ahead against the undefeated Joe Doring and someone who does have a pinfall victory over him. But if they want to go all in, no pun intended, with this homegrown talent, I think Alexander needs to continue his big run. And he needs, like you said, he needs something pretty spectacular to dethrone to him. Kind of like when... Moose used the, what was it called? The, yeah, the call, your call your shot. Call your shot. Yeah. I
1: I would like to see. Um, so Ace Austin's just lost the X Division title. Um, there's going to be a four way tonight on Impact. Uh, in fact, I've got the the match here. There will be a fatal four way tonight on Impact with Chris Bay, Steve Macklin, Laredo Kidd and Trey Miguel. Uh, for number one contender for the exhibition title, I don't know if this is going to be for next week of impact or further down the road or against all odds against speedball Mike Bailey. But I'd like to see Ace Austin win back the exhibition title and then cash in option C on Josh Alexander. I think I think it would be like a great symmetry just like one year round. And Ace Austin is like he's at he's at that type. He is inevitable. He says he's inevitable. I would like to see Ace Austin um, get a shot at the Impact World title.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm actually down for that because when's the last time we saw option C be used? Josh
1: Alexander brought it back, but he was the first one in like I think about six years at least. I think it's only been done a couple yeah. of times because Ernie's did it, Sabin did it, Eddie's did it again, but lost. And then, to my knowledge, I think that's that was the last one. But yeah, he... he option C was something that was brought back uh, with Josh Alexander. It'd be nice to see it used on Josh Alexander. And we talk about homegrown stars. I know Ace Austin has went over and done the best of the Super Juniors and he's part of Bullet Club in Japan now, but... He is very much an Impact original in my eyes. And it would be nice to see from Moose, who chose to go to Impact you know, over the other companies and make a name for himself there, to Josh Alexander, to Ace Austin, it would be nice to see the World Championship go to homegrown talent.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think depending on when they decide to go with that option, if they decide to go for it, it'll have to be like a, a massive event probably rather than yeah, you know
1: it'll be October
0: but um, yeah that, that'd be
1: as much as Joe Doring is undefeated I think that's how much stock we're putting in this match that we're looking ahead to bound for glory I think it's going to be uh-huh. a hard hit and hard fought match but I think Alexander pardon me gets the win with the C4 spike um I, don't, I can't see him making Joe Doring tap out. I think they want to keep him strong. But yeah, yeah.
0: being him, he'd be... You know uh, sorry, on go. I was going to say, if there's one thing I hope they don't do, which and I really hope they won't, the last time like, I think I saw an undefeated superstar go for the main title was probably... One of the earliest examples I can think of is John Cena versus Umaga at New Year's Revolution about 15 years ago. And Umaga went for his his signature sort of uh, ass attack in the corner, and he missed. Cena rolled him up, and then got the win via that via roll up. Like, I don't want to see that happen to Joe Doring. Like, it has to be a definitive pinfall, when not a, a fluky roll up.
1: Maybe I I, I don't mind a, a roll up. It depends how you book afterwards. And I mean afterwards was the was it the I Quit match. The last man standing. Last man standing. Yeah, and that was amazing. So yeah. I don't really need a fluky win when the defi- when because it gives the heels, a, you know. Oh, you you got lucky. I want another match, and then. But I think we'll see. I, I do think we will see a definite one here, and see Josh Alexander move on from Violent by Design. He has beaten Diener mm. on Impact as well, so that'll be him ran through the entirety of Violent by Design. Let's move on to Money in the Bank. So, Money in the Bank, this Sunday from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Paradise, Nevada. Um, this was going to be the start of WWE doing three stadium shows. They were originally going to do at, at the stadium they had SummerSlam at last year, the Allegiant Stadium. However, I think three stadium shows in a row is a lot for any company. And mm-hmm. the WWE have taken the decision to move it to a smaller arena due to ticket sales Uh, and SummerSlam and Clash at the Castle will be their two big stadium shows uh, in Nashville and in Cardiff. I'm just going to run through the card quickly for Money in the Bank. So we've got the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair and Carmella for the Raw Women's Championship, Uh, Ronda Rousey and Natalya for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, Riddle and To Be Determined. A uh, a Money in the Bank Championship for a world so Money in the Bank ladder match sorry for a world championship contract. A uh, Lacey Evans, alex Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Gonzalez, Asuka, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch. Money in the Bank ladder match for a women's championship match contract. Uh, the Usos versus the Street Profits for the undisputed WWE Tag Championships, and Theory versus Bobby Lashley for the United States title. Um, I'm going to ask you some, uh, I'm going to ask you regarding the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. So there's one spot mm-hmm. to be filled. We saw John Cena return this last past Monday on Raw. But just before we started recording, we saw the news. Logan Paul has signed with wwe do you think we could see logan paul in the men's money in the bank ladder match
0: no i think it'd be amazing i'd love to see it (laughs) i'm not so sure i think he needs a few more regular matches before you stick him in a ladder match if i'm being honest like the the first match i can see i think for him would probably be at best i think a one v one match with the Miz at SummerSlam, given what happened at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, I think so. And they, they alluded that's to that. No, they,
0: they, they won't put them in a they won't put them in a ladder match that early. They need to have like either someone who has world championship credibility about them, or a former champion.
1: No, that's fair enough. I think a ladder match would be good because it's a match you can hide in you don't need to do much you know Mm. you can take the bump from the ladder and then be down for a bit and then not have to do much you're not overly exposed Um, but let's talk about the men's money the Bank ladder match Uh, Rollins, Drew Sheamus, Omos Riddle and Sami Zayn uh, in the field so far I've went on record I think it's going to be Seth freaking Rollins I think Mm. he's going to be Mr Money in the Bank this year I think He cashes in on whoever the World Championship is around about Royal Rumble time. And I see Cody Rhodes winning the Rumble. I think Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes for the World Title is your WrestleMania main event this year. Am I wrong here, David? Am I wrong? Or do you see someone else winning the title?
0: I think that would be best case scenario, if I'm being honest. I mean, you're not wrong, but if there's anything we know about WWE, it doesn't do long-term booking that often. Maybe two times out of 10, it does effective long-term booking. I think you'd have to have a real genius cap on to book something like that. I think if I'm being if I'm assuming that they don't have any long-term plans for the Money in the Bank holder, I reckon they'll either have Drew win it so that he cashes in in advance and sets up Clash at the Castle. Or, and hear me out on this one, because it's a, a little bit left field, Sami Zayn could win it. Because remember, you know, he's rubbing shoulders with the bloodline he's wearing their merch out for his matches and stuff can you imagine like you know he tries to get friendly you know with them you know he sort of gets on the the inner dealings of the bloodline he gets them on their side and then because you know they've said on commentary you know he's a master strategist imagine he takes like the snidiest, sneakiest opportunity imaginable cashes in the contract when Roman's down he goes for like a halluva kick in the corner and then before you know it, Roman just comes out the blue, spears at bit buggery, one, two, three, he loses his contract, because it's been a while since we've seen a failed cash in, not since Corbin I don't think, and it, I think it would just be Sami Zayn in a nutshell you know, he thinks he's got the master, the master plan all figured out but he fails at the last hurdle and fails miserably
1: I would like who who won Money in the Bank twenty twenty one the men's one. Uh, oh shit! Um, it was biggie, biggie. 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 Yeah. I would like a long, a long term, like a long someone to have a long run with the briefcase. And cash in successfully, because we've not seen that in a while. Because going back, you know, Biggie a couple of months in got the big pop on Raw. I think that was a reactionary a uh, thing to the likes of Danielson and Cole going over to E.W. Um, Otis. I don't know what they were thinking there. And then the Miz won it and then lost it two weeks later,
0: so it wasn't really worth it. You know what I mean? I don't know what paint thinner they were sniffing when they decided to give it to Omos like that was and the way he won the match as well it was one of the stupidest booking yeah. finishes I've ever seen uh, 2019 Brock Lesnar I liked Brock with his boombox you know I, I thought it was <laughs> Aye, Brock party yeah I can't believe they didn't do more of that that was hilarious but it was a case
1: of first available opportunity cashed in then lost it the next month to Rollins again um, 2018 2018 we had... did
0: we have in 2018? That was... Hold on, don't tell me, don't tell me. It was... Oh, shit. Who was after Corbin?
1: Braun. Uh, it was Braun. Braun Strowman, that's it, yeah. Braun failed to cash in. Corbin failed to cash in. Ambrose, it was great, but he cashed in that night. You know, we were complaining at the time that, you know, sometimes the runs go too long. And we're like, yes, yeah, good. He cashed in. It makes us wait a year till we get another one and since then we've really not had a great Mr. Money in the Bank. You know, it there's not been you know, Biggie is entertaining but wasn't consistently booked and the rest have all just been Brock aside, the rest have been dog shit. Corbin was crap. Braun was crap. Otis was crap. Miz, you know, he, he, he lost every week. Him and Morrison lost every week. He wins the title, then loses it two weeks later. You know, and then he's feuding with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. You know, it it's just, it would be nice to see Seth Rollins just that smarmy, manipulative... You know, I, I talked about Zack Sabre Jr., how he, the annoying thing is he's smarmy, he's annoying, but he's really good at wrestling. So is Seth Rollins. And it would be great you know just what? laughing in everyone's face, laughing in Roman's Aye. face at every pay-per-view, going, I'm coming for you. <laughs> laughing in Drew's face. When he, in
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that on Roy? He was, he was I laughing know. to see. That was brilliant. But you know what? If he does win it, I seriously hope he paints the briefcase to matches is crazy suits, because that would just oh, be him. A yes. yes. Like, remember when I think they used, to, like, before the Money in the Bank briefcase was painted all red and blue and green and shit, it was um, whoever won it got their, yes, like, the F- logo ones. branding on it and stuff. And I think RVD was the one to originate that. You know, we actually spray-painted it to suit him. Yeah. And then everybody else just got their logo on it afterwards. I think that was a really nice, that was a really nice touch. It sort of personalizes it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, so, Seth, Drew, Sammy or our outside bets. Do you think there's any Sammy. chance... Yeah, Seth, Sammy. Seth, Drew and Sammy. Uh, do you think any chance of Sheamus, Omos or Riddle winning the
0: match? I mean, if Omos just reaches up his arm, he could probably grab the <laughs> briefcase without a ladder at all. But uh, I'm not... I think Sheamus, Riddle... And whoever the TBD is, I think they'll just be spot fillers at that point. You know, you give us a few nice... A few nice bumps here and there. And if they need somebody to fill the field, just fucking stick Kofi in there. You know, he always... uh, He always delivers great moments in these matches.
1: Yeah, I agree, I agree. Uh, Kofi could be a a shout there. Um, I wonder if Paul Heyman's going to use his influence to get somebody that he wants in there. Or... Hey, maybe maybe it might just be John Cena. I don't know. We we still have SmackDown to come. Uh, there's hold on. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven women seven. in the yeah. yeah. There's seven in the women's match. So I imagine there'll be seven in the men's match. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the women's match. Uh, Lacey, Alexa, Liv, Raquel, Asuka, Shotzi, Becky. Um, I'm going to be honest. I looking at this. I think if Becky wins, I would be disappointed just because... Not not because it would be bad. I think Becky and Seth is the couples with money in the bank. You know, they're on the poster with all the money. It, like, it, it is hilarious. Um, but I think Becky is someone who is upper, you know, upper tier anyway. She's only ever one or two matches away from a world title. Whereas someone like... Aska never really got her proper run. Shotzi could use it to push her to the moon. Liv has needed that moment. Lacey Evans is looking for that breakout moment. Alexa Bliss, you know what? Yeah, I I take it back. I'd be disappointed if Alexa wins it. I think that's a a bit of a boring one. But Raquel Gonzalez, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, she's now known as, I think it could be a breakout moment for her as well. So Mm -hmm. you've got the likes of... Evans, Liv, Raquel, and Shotzi are looking for that breakout moment. Asuka looking for that that money in the bank run she never really got. I think if any of the five of them win it, I'd be absolutely fine.
0: Uh, this one's a bit up in the air for me. I'm trying to think who could. I think Becky's too obvious to win the contract. And, you know, as you said, you know, she's a mega star in her own right. She'll learn another title match somewhere down the line. Same with. Asuka I think you know again you know she never got that that title run or that briefcase run then again that was out of her control I reckon it's going to be one of the other five that gets it and if I was a betting man I'm actually putting it on Lacey Evans because Alexa Liv and Raquel I think they're going to be okay regardless. They've got fan support. Raquel is still fresh to the the main roster. And her presence alone, combined with her sort of big mammy cool persona, I think she's going to earn her way to a title match eventually, once again. But Lacey, I don't think, even like in her former run as like, you know, the, the first lady of WWE, that kind of thing, I mean, it was a good character, but in ring-wise, it was just not a lot to work on. So I think with this whole sort of marine character gimmick, I think a briefcase a opportunity would be exactly what she needs to just break through that glass ceiling.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. There is, just like... She's needed something for a while. She's needed that. Mm, I think she's there. Yeah, she does have that stark pop quality. She. It, it's hard to get uh, away from the Liberty Bell and Glow comparisons, but you know they they are they are there. And um, yeah, I think the money in the bank could be something to to push her forward with. And hey, former former uh, was it the Marines she was in?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the Marine Corps, yeah Yeah, could you imagine her cashing in on tribute to the troops? I mean,
1: that would certainly be something new
0: (laughs) Yeah, it would, yeah
1: Um, Let's talk about the women's title matches In fact, we discussed Bianca Carmella last week about how Carmella's filled in twice now for Bianca's original Money in the Bank opponents Um, Let's talk Rousey Natalia
0: do we have
1: to? Uh, no, actually, no. You're right. Let's move on. Um, theory, theory, Bobby Lashley. Um, no, so on, let, let, sticking with the women's money in the bank Ladder match, how fast do you hope one of these people cash in on whoever's SmackDown Women's Champion?
0: I'll tell you what. If it goes longer than two days, I'll be impressed because every single person bar Carmela, has cashed in either the day of or the day after. Because they had no long-term booking plans for the women's Money in the Bank.
1: I think with Charlotte Flair out of the way just now, Charlotte Flair just constantly had to be on top. I think that's different now, and I think the plan is Rousey Becky at WrestleMania for one of the titles. I imagine the SmackDown Women's Title. So I imagine, I imagine that will happen eventually, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if Rousey got a break in between. Uh, you know, she's not going to work every pay per view as we've seen, but it'd be nice to nice to have someone cash in on Rousey. <laughs> but um, yeah, Rousey and Natalia. Rousey has not been great since coming back. You know, they've tried to make her something she's not. You, you know, they've tried to make her this smiling, happy baby face cutting promos every week, completely exposing our lack of mic skills. And then how will we how will we combat that? Will we put her in the ring with someone that's really good in the mic? No, let's put her in there with Natalia, with the charisma of a wet carrot. Um, so <laughs> this will not be one I'm looking forward to. This will be one I'm hoping that whoever... I said I don't want Becky or Alexa to win Money in the Bank, because I think Becky, you know, she's due a title match Anyway. And Alexa Bliss, I think, is sort of the safe option. That being said, any of the women that win Money in the Bank, please, for the love of God, cash in on this
0: match. You know what? Uh, I think I'd agree with that, because I think I can see Bianca retaining against Carmella. She has been hot property on Raw for best part of a year now, maybe even longer. And, yeah, I can see her running rampant for the majority of the year, if not the whole year.
1: Yeah. Um, So we'll move on to the Street Profits versus the Usos. Uh, The Street Profits and the Usos, whenever they face each other, it's always a great match. Do Do you see the tag title run of the Usos ending anytime soon? You know, because we've seen before that they're not afraid to give the Usos a loss and for Roman to berate them. So I think... I, I think they could maybe... I, th- I think they could lose here. I think the Street Profits momentum. I'm, I'm just a bit bold with the bloodline holding all the titles. It just means all the other stories just aren't as good, you know. Feuds that aren't that great, but have a title implication are easy to get into. Whereas... Now that two of the two of the possible titles are off the table because these guys are holding both versions, it just it's kind of, it's getting a bit dull, and I, I just I'd love to see I'd love to see a bit of a change. You know what I mean?
0: Mm, I get where you're coming from, but in this instance, I have to disagree. I think the bloodline needs to keep going strong until you get to some of the bigger pay per view stadium shows like SummerSlam, like Clash at the Castle, etc. I think that's where the cracks will start to show. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and I think this has the potential to be match of the night. The Usos are an incredible tag team. The Street Profits are an incredible tag team. You know, Bontes, Ford and Matt Frog Splash. You know, imagine that and the Usos Splash in the same match. That is going to be crazy in terms of like the Usos are arguably WWE's best tag team they've got today, and it's and that's saying something considering how far the New Day has fallen down the pecking order a little bit. But the Street Profits, I mean, they've been lacking a, a tag title for some time now, but I don't say see them being the one to top of the Usos, not just not just yet, anyway. But I think this is going to be a terrific match.
1: So we, we move on to the United States title match, Theory Bobby Lashley. Do we see a certain John Felix Anthony Cena getting involved in the match between Theory and
0: Lashley? Mm, there's certainly a possibility there. But what I also recall is that I, I see if John Cena is that TBD for the men's match. Yeah. I think the fantasy booking we had was that Theory costs Cena the money in the bank and then that's what set up the United States title match between them at SummerSlam. But I think if they are going to go with Theory-Cena then Theory has to retain here because I mean Bobby Lashley's had has been one-upping him for the past couple of weeks now you know winning the Gauntlet match going up against Alpha Academy and Almost get the best of him, in, best of him in these pose offs as well. But I think theory has to pull out a sneaky win here. You know, it gives him momentum for Summerslam, and it if 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 they are going to do him versus Cena, he needs to retain in this capacity. Yeah, well,
1: I, I I I do imagine Lashley. I think you, I, I think it will be a sneaky win. I think theory will get out in the skin of his teeth, and if. Cena is the the mystery man. I think, yeah, that will be. I think that will be how they set it up. Theory will cost him the money in the bank. Um, so obviously, this is the first pay per view in July that WWE are having. The second pay per view they're going to have is SummerSlam on July thirtieth. Announced for that show is Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, in a Last Man Standing match for the Undisputed Universal Title. Do we see any Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns appearances on this show? Do you think there'll be any any interaction, any interference, anything like that? Do you think maybe we we talked about how can the users lose? Does maybe Brock interfere to cause that to cause that title loss or just to screw with Roman? Or do you see neither of them being on the show?
0: I'm not sure either of them will be on the show. I think they need to focus on who future potential challenges are, hence the name Money in the Bank. And that's why it's always one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year round. Because, well, for one, I love a good ladder match, let alone two. But what I'm always intrigued by is the booking of it. You know, what's their potential long-term plans? Maybe not necessarily for the women's one, because they give up after a couple of days on that one, but... Potential long-term booking for future champions—that's always gets my intrigue. I think the the SummerSlam match, though, I think it was sort of WWE going into panic mode a little bit, largely because they'd, there was too many injuries piling up, and you know Orton's away, Cody's away. Orton was originally meant to be the the scheduled opponent, so they thought, off oh, script, let's bring back Brock just to get a, a big money draw for the show, and let's add a stipulation just for good measure.
1: That's fair enough. Um, yeah, no, it's fair enough. I think. Would you call it? I think the, as you mentioned, the future challengers will be, will be decided at Money in the Bank, and we'll need, we we'll need to focus on them. But I really, I hope if Brock shows up, it's not in the Money in the Bank because you know they did that last time where. He wins the Rumble, but then wins the WWE title. Like, oh, for God's
0: sake, we don't need both. So, just... I mean, mean, heaven forbid he, like, knocks over a ladder into a cameraman again if he does become the TBD.
1: (laughs) That would be good. I would like that. Um, We'll go into just a couple of... a couple of quick news stories before we finish off, because the majority of this has been previews and reviews. Um, But... Um Sasha Banks, apparently WWE officials are looking to smooth it over with her, trying to get her back into the WWE.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a weird one because you know you've had conflicting reports say, Oh, she's been released, she's not been released. And the reason I think we've not touched on it is because well, it's it's a conflict of reports here. Nothing's been set in stone, and now we're hearing that, you know. I think WWE's trying to smooth things over is probably the best for all parties because I just hope they recognise how big a draw Sasha Banks is. If she ends up going to a rival company, you know, it's a it's a massive, massive loss for them, especially when you know they've been accused of, you know, foregoing the women's tag team division and just treating them like an afterthought. I mean, I don't blame Sasha for wanting to leave because they clearly only have their eggs in all their eggs in one basket here. So, yeah, it, there's still just too much uncertainty around this one to really give a, an honest thought on it. Um, Valerie
1: Lueda, no, no dispute around that. She's uh, confirmed to have been signed with NXT. She's a former Bellator and Taekwondo fighter. Uh, and yeah apparently it, it, this is quite a big get. She was a star in the Bellator uh, fellowweight division. Uh, she becomes the first Cuban American woman to sign with WWE as well.
0: Nice one. Yeah, it's, I've actually not heard of her before until this announcement was made, but here in you know our MMA Bellator background, she sounds she does sound like a big get especially you know if she's been if she's like an MMA UFC fighter, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm hoping though there is more here than just UFC fighter because um, mm-hmm. that, that was where Sonia Deville sort of tripped up before finding her authority figure role because you had the oh. likes of Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler who were like part of, you know, mm-hmm. MMA royalty and neighbouring UFC, you know, so it didn't matter that we had, oh, she, she's fought in MMA yeah, yeah, well, these guys have fought in the big time, you know. So I'm hoping there is more to. They more did
0: Sonya... They did, they did Sonya Deville dirty by not booking her like as a legit MMA fighter. Uh, you know, even as part of like well, because Abs- they have, even better they as, like have legitimate stars. Aye, I, I mean, think of, of Absolution and Bloody Fire and Desire. Like, why they didn't get a women's tag team title run is beyond me. No,
1: no, I think they should have got a tag title. You'll, you'll have no arguments for me there. Um, a bit of an odd one here. Um, they say wrestling has more than one royal family. Uh, Sports Illustrated reporting that one of wrestling's biggest families just got a lot bigger. A series of DNA tests had revealed five children sired by soul man Rocky Johnson, meaning that The Rock has five new step-siblings. <laughs> Oh. Uh, there, if you want to see more of this, uh, Sports Illustrated has a profile detail in the five adults and the journey to discover their bond through various DNA testings. All the children of Rocky Johnson have made it clear they have no qualms with their half brother, saying Dwayne has nothing to do with their decision that his dad made, Saint Adrian Bowles, one of the elementary children. He doesn't even know who we are. Another child of Johnson's, Lisa Purvis, has said Dwayne Johnson knows us nothing. Although despite this, The Rock's new siblings do know that despite Rocky and Dwayne's tempestuous relationship, they're somewhat envious of the support that the former gave the latter. When The Rock came to uh, the city of Vancouver in 2017, Purvis, who lives in Vancouver, uh, says she couldn't escape pictures, stories, news reports uh, and more when The Rock was filming Skyscraper. It led to her going through a bit of depression saying, I don't see Dwayne Johnson. I only see a dad that loved him and not me. Uh, it was Lisa who arranged for the DNA test to confirm that all five uh, people who claimed they were Rocky's children uh, were indeed half siblings. Um, that that is a wild one. Like I know we we talk about uh, wrestlers back in the day. You know they went territory to territory and they went town to town, but. Mm. That's, that is uh, that. So Rock said before he has two step siblings uh, from, I, I believe it was a previous marriage, so they're older siblings. But now that means Rocky Johnson's hired eight children. What a big get about it.
0: Eh? What shagger. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. Um, and finally, some NXT news. Uh, Triple H recently said in an interview sorry, in a in a meeting with w officials and NXT crew that he was back he didn't specify what that meant but um he wasn't backstage at the recent NXT 2.0 tapings so still up there what triple h being back means um we saw the photos uh, of Logan Paul signing uh, Triple H, prominent in that, along with Stephanie Mann. She's the interim chairman. Um,
0: I don't know chairwoman if this... Chair, chairwoman, chairman, we're same being, thing. We're, <laughs> we're being gender neutral here. Um, so,
1: so Triple H quite prominent there. Is this maybe Stephanie and Triple H trying to get their, their footprints in the sand when it comes to the current state of WWE? Is this them trying to, you know, make sure that there's things in motion while Vince is out of power?
0: Uh, possibly. You know, CM Punk's prediction 11 years later could finally be coming true. You know, the company's going to get taken over by the idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law. But um, I, I think what Triple H was meaning by, I think it's starting to form a little bit of shape, you know, about, you know, saying he's back because, remember, he was off, obviously, for his uh, his heart condition. I reckon he's just back back to business now. Not... Not necessarily on NXT in general, but just sort of running day-to-day corporate stuff. Maybe that's... I mean, that's the impression I was getting.
1: Fair enough. And um, two NXT superstars, according to Dave Meltzer, are being uh, apparently considered for call-ups. Uh, Zion Quinn and Sangha uh, are looking to be brought up to the main roster. Zion Quinn, I think, is a good wrestler. Sanger, absolutely not. He is not ready in the slightest.
0: Agreed. Like uh, Zion Quinn. Sorry, you go. Zion Quinn. Yeah, Zion Quinn definitely has potential. You know, he's got like a almost a bit of a Ken Shamrock vibe about him a little bit. You know, he's he looks like a legit fighter. And is he who I mean he could be under Max Dupree's new staple, but uh, again, you know, as a standalone competitor, I think he might struggle to stand out. If he's part of this Max Dupree stable, I think he might have a shot. But yeah, I think I think he could suit well as part of a member of the main roster. Sanga, though, as you said, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. He's nowhere near ready for the main roster. But that is—is in- this,
0: is this just well? If, it, if, it's still, if, it, if Vince is still involved in creative, does that? is he just reverting back to you know bigger is better i'm I'm hoping
1: not but anyway that'll do it for this week we'll be back next week with a review of against all odds and money in the bank and much much more from the crazy wacky world of wrestling we always call it the central curse um so i imagine some groundbreaking thing is going to break (laughs) as soon as you and i stop recording here david i'm on I am never not on Wrestling Inc. when we finish these shows like refreshing furiously to make sure we don't get caught out, but anyway. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us this week. Don't remember, uh, don't forget, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you can find us all on there. Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet, uh, you can find us Anchor, iTunes, Spotify and Android. Thank you very much to, to David for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGroby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat,
0: East Suplex Retreat, East meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat, Seek
1: Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.